what is Bible repentance? Um, I've alluded to it already in the passage that we had a look at in Acts when the Apostle Paul spoke about it. Um, but here's another account where, again, the Apostle Paul is relating the actual vision that he had from the Lord Jesus Christ when the Lord appeared to him and gave him his mandate that he is to go out and preach the gospel primarily to the Gentiles. He was the apostle to the Gentiles, but he also preached to the Jews. And so this is him recounting what Jesus in fact said to him in that heavenly vision. This is Jesus speaking. And our Lord speaking, he said from verse 17 and 18, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so two of the aspects of uh, the, the heavenly mandate given to Paul by the Lord Jesus Christ is that the gospel that he was to teach was to turn unbelievers, the Gentiles and also the Jews, turn them from darkness to light. Now darkness and light are, are complete opposites. Uh, darkness and light don't, don't mix. And so our Lord's given us insight as to what repentance is. We turn away from darkness, we turn to light. Um, and then he goes on to say from the power of Satan to God. So obviously that's the power of God. And so Again, two complete opposites. Satan and God are completely opposed to each other. They're opposite of each other. And so that's really what repentance is, is to turn away from darkness, turn to light, turn away from the power of Satan, turn to God. Um, it's a, a complete about turn. Whereas before we came into the kingdom of God, we were in darkness. We were in, under the power of Satan. We were in his kingdom. Now that we have come out of the kingdom uh, of that darkness, we repent of that and we turn away from that and we turn to light and we turn to God. And so that's really what Bible repentance is. We go down one road, we stop and we turn around and we go back. Uh, because we all eventually, uh, initially came from God anyway. Uh, John's Gospel, John 16, 8 to 11. Our Lord again just talking about the subject and what Bible repentance is. Scripture says, and when he has come, now our Lord is speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit came, came into the earth. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So we, we have a bit of an insight here as to what actually transpires when the gospel is preached to the unsaved. Go back to that message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says they were cut to the heart and they asked Peter, what shall we do? So what does it mean when they were cut to the heart? Well, what had happened our Lord said that when the Holy Spirit comes, one of the things He will do, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. And so when the, an unsaved person hears the gospel preached, what the Holy Spirit does is He convicts that unsaved person that they need to respond to this gospel message. The, the, the conviction comes upon them. Um, 
Now they don't at that time know how to respond. They're just hearing a gospel message that they recognize um, because they've been cut to the heart. Their conscience is now convicting them. The Holy Spirit is convicting them. You need to be responding to this gospel message. The response is to Peter on that day, what shall we do? And so that's something that we need to understand how this, this um, Bible repentance works. It is first the gospel that is preached. The Holy Spirit takes those words, convicts the individual who hears those words, and those, that individual recognizes, I need to be responding to this. Now, at that time, they don't quite know how to respond. And we pick it up in, in Corinthians, the Apostle, well, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul teaches us about Bible repentance. And we pick it up in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 to 10. He says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow lead, letter, led to repentance. Um, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow does what? Produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so there's a, a progressive uh, steps that are taken. First, the gospel is preached. That gospel produces sorrow in the heart of the person who hears the gospel and needs to respond to it. Now, it's not always a case of sorrow is produced. It might be a case of joy because they're hearing a, a good news message about salvation. But nevertheless, conviction comes upon the person by the Holy Spirit that they need to respond. So that, 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 that feeling of sorrow or that feeling of conviction produces repentance and leads the person to repentance. They ask, what shall we do? The response from Peter on that day was, because remember the, the Jews said, brethren, what shall we do? They were convicted. Peter's response was, repent. So now that the ball gets put back into the unbelievers' court. So they, they hear the gospel message about salvation in Christ. They are convicted. They know they need to respond. They don't know how. They ask how. The preacher then, in Peter, in, in the example, says you need to repent. So the ball is put back into the unbeliever's court. Now the believer is faced with a choice. He gets told, if I'm going to respond to this gospel message, I need to repent. What does that mean? It means as an act of my will, I will now accept this gospel message. I will believe and confess Christ Jesus as my Lord. By doing that, I am now repenting. And what that produces then is salvation. And that's what he said. Godly sorrow, the conviction, produces repentance. The repentance takes place once the act of the decision has been made. The, of the free will of the believer. Because go back to Peter's uh, teaching on the day of Pentecost. They're convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's the sorrow that they felt. They want to know how they can respond. Peter says, you need to make a decision to repent. Turn away from where you're going and turn to God. Now they're faced with that decision. It's an act of their free will that they decide, alright, I'm prepared to make this decision. I'm prepared to turn away from my current life and turn to God. 
Now again, it's not a, uh, that isn't a conscious decision that they make, but they don't know the full ramification of their decision that they're making. So in other words, it's not a case of you need to give up all your sin, you need to you know, make a conscious decision that from here on out you're going to live only for righteousness and no more sin. Because at that point, they don't have that capacity to do that. It is only the born-again believer that can actually do that. Um, the unbeliever can't. All that is put before the unbeliever is you need to make a conscious decision that you are willing to walk away from your current life and walk into the new life in Christ. Now again, they, as I say, at that point they don't understand the full ramifications of that decision. But they just know, I actually do need to respond to that. And so the godly sorrow produces uh, the repentance. What is the repentance? I am of my free will deciding I will accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now again, we need to understand very clearly that when Christians come into the kingdom of God, well, unbelievers come in before they're Christians, they do not understand the fullness of what repentance is all about. Most Christians don't understand the fullness of what repentance is all about. It only, that's why it's a, a doctrine, a foundation doctrine in the church. Repentance from dead works. We do not teach repentance from dead works to unbelievers. We teach the doctrine of repentance from dead works to believers. And we teach it to newborn believers. That's why it's the milk of God's word. Because all new Christians that come into the kingdom of God, now we teach them what in fact they have actually done. This is what repentance from dead works means. But we don't teach the unbeliever and say, now go away and think about it. And if you're prepared to give up your life of sin and then accept Jesus as Lord, well then come back and talk to us and then we'll pray for you that you may be saved. No, it's not done like that at all. We just allow the believer as an act of their free will for, from what they know, from what they've heard. This sounds real to me. I want it. So I'm prepared to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In doing that, they have now, as an act of their free will, repented. That has now, as the scripture says, godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. So the moment they do that repentance, they take that step of accepting Jesus as Lord, that is now the step of salvation, because God then acknowledges that and performs the miracle of the new birth in their hearts, and they are thus born again. So, but it's not as a, a case of they've made a, a, a rational decision, they've gone away, they thought about it, and they thought, you know, am, am I prepared to give up this for that? Because they do not understand that yet. Because they can only understand, they, they know that there's something they've got to respond to. They know that what has been taught and, and, and proclaimed sounds real. And so they need to make that response. And that's all that God requires, is that as an act of their free will, they then choose to accept the gospel. By doing that, in fact, what they're doing is they are repenting of their current life to walk in new life. They don't understand it. They will only understand it once they're in the kingdom and the doctrine of repentance from dead works is then taught to them. And we need to understand that because there's, you know, 
people get a bit confused around this issue. They think, seem to think you have to, the, the unbeliever has to understand what repentance is all about in order for them to be saved. And that's not what the Bible teaches us at all. Um, let's have a look at, at, at a, a couple of accounts in Scripture to just show us, because again, we're dealing with what the Bible teaches about repentance. Um, because there is this erroneous teaching that does come into the church from time to time, that unless you really repent and understand what you're repenting of, you cannot be saved. And that's not the Bible at all. It doesn't teach that. We don't go out to unbelievers and say to them, we're going to tell you what salvation is really all about, and you've got to now make this decision. Uh, are you prepared to give up everything and come in and follow Christ? That's uh, not the Bible. Let's have a look at some scripture along that line. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Now, this is the condition that the Holy Spirit has put forward to the church in order for one to be saved. And this condition has been met by myriads of saints over the ages. And they're all in heaven today because they met these conditions. This is it. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, if God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so those are the two main criteria that must be met in order for one to be saved. We have to believe that Christ has been raised from the dead by God the Father. That has to be believed. And one has to confess Christ Jesus is Lord. If the unbeliever meets those two conditions, then the Bible is very plain. They will be saved. They are born again. No mention of repentance. It's not a case of you have to repent, understand what you're repenting of, and recognize your changed lifestyle that you're prepared to take on. And if you do that, then you can believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, and then you can confess Him as Lord. No. All that is required for the unbeliever to be born again is they need to believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, God has raised him from the dead, and that Jesus is my Lord. Those two conditions cause me as an unbeliever to be born again. There's no mention of repentance. So we need to understand this concept because, as I say, the doctrine of repentance can be taken to the extreme. Any extreme doctrine is not of God. God's doctrines are always in the middle. Extreme on the right or the left is not of God. God's doctrines are in the middle. The first time the Gentiles came into the kingdom of God after our Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, Peter went to the house of Cornelius and preached the gospel by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because until that time, it was roughly six years after the church had begun. Um, no Gentiles had been added to the kingdom of God because all of the Jews thought that the salvation was only for the Jews, and that included uh, Peter. Not too sure about Paul at that time. Um, I think he might have been preaching to the Gentiles at the same time. Um, but the rest of the other apostles were all convinced that salvation were for the, was for the Jews only. But now the Holy Spirit moves upon Peter to go and preach to the Gentiles. And you can go read the account. It's when God speaks to Peter through the vision of the sheep being let down from heaven. And so we're going to pick up the account of Peter coming into Cornelius' home and preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and all of them getting saved. So let's have a look at his message that he preaches 
whereby all of these Gentiles are born again. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to 45. The scripture says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he both did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach the, to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now this is it. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And then Peter, in recounting this to the Jews later, um, in defending himself because of... No, this is actually when there was the, the council meeting taking place. Uh, Peter just reminding what actually did take place. Acts 15, 7 and 8. The scripture says, And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And so what I want you to get across from this, these two passages of Scripture is that the Gentiles were born again through Peter's preaching of the gospel. Now, when Peter preached the gospel, he preached about Jesus Christ as Lord, and he preached about God raising Jesus from the dead. He makes no mention of repentance, none whatsoever. And they're all born again, every one of them, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues, as the Jews spoke with other tongues on the day of Pentecost. And so Peter says God acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit. And so very clearly, these uh, Christians were born again, not once having heard any mention about repentance. And so we need to understand that the gospel of repentance can be taken to the extreme because it does get taken to the extreme and what happens is um, people who, who take the gospel of repentance to the extreme don't understand how salvation actually does work because salvation in scripture we will see now and and repentance are synonymous terms in scripture God looks at it at, as in exactly the same light. He doesn't differentiate between the two. He sees it as one and the same thing. But the point that I wanted to get across from the book of Romans and the book of Acts that we just saw now is that very clearly it is quite possible for people to be born again 
and filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, and not even having heard about the word called repentance. So although repentance is a very important part of the gospel message, it is not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It is not a, a, a criteria that has to be met for one to be born again. The criteria that has to be met, the two criteria that have to be met for one to be born again is they must believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead and they must confess Jesus as Lord. Those two criteria, once they're met, the person is born again. Repentance can be taught at the same time. But when I say repentance can be taught, just from the point of view, you need to turn away from where you are and turn to God. That's as simple as, as, as we proclaim it to the unbeliever. We don't give them the whole rundown. We don't say, now you need to go weigh this up. Are you prepared to turn away from your sinful life and turn to God? Because they don't have that capacity at that time. And for the, the unbeliever to be told, unless you're prepared to do that, well then you can't be saved. Well, that's not true. The Bible doesn't teach us that at all. The Bible teaches us they need to just believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, confess Him as Lord, and God has raised Him from the dead, and then they will be saved. Once they're in the kingdom of God, that's where we need to get it right, we then teach them the doctrine of repentance from dead works. We now explain to them, this is what's happened to you, and because this is what's happened to you, you are now on a different path. You were down that path, you're now on a different path. And we'll, we'll get through that. We'll get through that.